Good evening, everyone. It's Thursday, and that means it's time for a new episode of the Necromaniacs Horror Podcast. How's it going, Jeff? It's going going pretty good, man. You? I had a pretty challenging week, man. Uh, you know, and as a result of that, I haven't really been able to watch a whole lot of things. My dad had to go into the hospital for um, a procedure, had to remove a tumor, which uh, thankfully turned out to be uh, benign. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, he's an older guy, so I spent the whole week up there at my family and doing family stuff and, you know, kind of working part-time. And uh, I got to tell you, man, like, though I did not watch any real horror films, there was a, a moment when the anesthesiologist came in that was like some of the grimmest moments of my life, man. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine. I mean, they, they don't tend to sugarcoat that kind of stuff. That's the fucked up thing, man. The anesthesia guy comes in and he's, and he's like, okay, this is the deal. You know, these are all the things that can go wrong. And, uh, you know, it's basically, it felt like he's like, all right, cool. We're going to go in there and inject your dad with, uh, we're going to kill him essentially. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I'm laughing about it now, but at the time I was like, man, I should just fucking, we're, we're not going to do the operation. We're just going to take our chances, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking yeah. crazy, man. Yeah. It's crazy. Those guys didn't, I'm surprised he didn't offer you a hit. <laughs> Dude. You want to hit this? Calm down. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I, I was calm, but like inside, I was just like, "Holy shit, man!" You know, and and uh, you know, like I said, my the procedure was fine, the tumor was benign, and that's good. It's always good not to have cancer. That's one of my mottos in life. I think. I I would one hundred percent agree with you. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, so that was my week, man. I'm a little bit behind. Uh, everything went black. It's gonna have a uh, from the vault episode this week i didn't get a chance to do anything on everything went black and i'm just kind of getting back in the swing of things today right on man well i'm glad everything's okay and you're getting back into the uh, the swing of things yeah thanks man yeah i didn't watch much this week uh, either uh, myself uh one thing i did want to watch is because you guys were talking about it uh on your podcast about uh, hip-hop and you guys uh, specifically mentioned Wu-Tang Clan and American Saga. Yeah. A show I didn't I, I didn't even know that existed really. I I don't I was like I know there's a documentary about them floating around somewhere but I uh, you know I didn't know about a, a fictional show. So uh started watching that and uh I got to say man it's uh it's terrible. <laughs> okay. I I only watched <laughs> the first. I watched the is it all right. I I wasn't clear I think even on on the um on the episode, there's a docu series that I watched. Mm, yeah, is that is that the same thing, or is there an actual dramatization of the Wu Tang Clan? This is definitely a dramatization, right. um, and uh, not a particularly good one. I think it's ambitious to a fault. Like I think it wants to have the weight of a show like you know The Wire, where you're following all these different characters and their lives and. It's really, and I'm reading too that a lot of some of the bigger plot points are completely made up, didn't happen. Oh, wow. Okay. And so there's that. And uh, I mean, it just goes in all these directions about like that, just 
they're not interesting. They're, who knows if they're actually real? You know, I don't know that much about the Wu-Tang Clan. Um, the actor who plays RZA looks and sounds nothing like him. It's like a white guy or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and in the second season, he seems, cause I've watched a season and a half of this before. I, I think I'm throwing in the towel on it, but in the second season, kind of like the Nick Cage style, like switches his accent. Like, oh man. Yeah. And like, does this like weird, like I, it almost sounds like someone like making fun of the RZA the way he talks or something. It's very bizarre and scattershot, and I, I I don't know, man. It's just not it's just not good, you know. I I think the formation of the Wu Tang Clan is a could be a very interesting story, and uh, they just you know go off in all these just really bizarre directions, and it just feels really like messy and unfocused and and strangely boring. Okay. I have to correct myself then because um, I don't remember what I said on that episode actually, but if it, I did not see this thing that you were talking about, but mm-hmm. I did see a docu-series about the Wu-Tang Clan that was actually really good. And yeah, I feel like I yeah on Showtime yeah. or something. It was like something like that is on Showtime or maybe Hulu or something. That I thought was cool, but I did not see the dramatization and – if I said that I did, uh, I'll take the L on that, and I'm and, I'm, and I, I I fucking lied then. I guess I, like inadvertently. So yeah. Oh man, yeah, it's all good. Yeah, so yeah, I, I've uh, I've been watching that, and um, another thing I wanted to mention uh, was something that was said in our uh, Instagram comments about our Wicker Man episode. Right. And someone asked me what I didn't like about the Evil Dead remake. Um, and I don't remember specifically what I said on this podcast, to, you know, because I talk a lot. Um, yeah. But I must have mentioned at some point that I really didn't like the Evil Dead remake. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not sure what you thought of it. Did you like that? I, I kind of, I'm not passionate either way about it. Like, I don't strongly dislike it and I don't embrace it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I, I try not to let outside uh, things influence how I feel about a movie. Like, I try to just watch it and, and, and either appreciate it or not like it for what it is. Yeah. But right off the bat, like, the, the whole way that Evil Dead was was, was marketed and, and presented to people really rubbed me the wrong way. Like, like oh, this we love the original. Uh, we're using tons of practical effects. So gory. It just seemed like they were just hitting like all the like the notes that like fans want to hear. But at the end of the day, it's just this kind of bland, like big budget, big studio Hollywood movie, which is the complete opposite of what the original Evil Dead was. I mean, that's just a group of friends with no money, no studio backing, making making a movie because they love it because they want to do it. Like, and that comes through in the movie. And I think it's a big part of why it's such a classic because it was just, you know, DIY filmmaking. And yeah, the remake was just the polar opposite of that. This, this, this cynical, lazy, oh, we'll just throw a bunch of gore in there and say some buzzwords like practical effects and people are going to eat this shit up. Uh, and and it, it just bugged me. So going into seeing it, like I already had that mindset. Like I'm not gonna like this, and and I didn't. Yeah, like I I um I I generally 
Like that's I guess the thing is it it didn't really sway me one way or the other. Maybe I mean I I think there there were times where I'm like I don't really care for this movie. Then there were times where I'm like, well, it's like entertaining on some level, but it doesn't go down as like one of the great remakes for me at all. You know, something that shouldn't you know it's it's not in my list of movies that I think are great remakes. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, yeah, I agree. It's not a terrible movie by any stretch of the imagination. It just, you know, it, it's like it, it was just completely forgettable, left no impact at, at all. Like, I, I could barely tell you anything that happened in it. Like, I know Bruce Campbell shows up at one point. Uh, that's really all I remember. I don't even remember that, actually, that Bruce Campbell was in it. <laughs> Maybe I'm making that up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I could be. I could have sworn it was one of those after the credits kind of things where Bruce Willis shows up and says "groovy" or something like that. Bruce Willis or Bruce Campbell? Uh, both. <laughs> uh, uh, Bruce Campbell. Uh, that would be actually though. That would be kind of cool if Bruce Willis showed up and said it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of. I mean, I don't hate it. I, I don't rally against it. It just it, it wasn't for me. It, it was. As far as remakes go, I think that was coming out at a time when, uh, you know, remakes were a dime a dozen and they were, they were mostly bad. Like if you think about Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, um, Halloween, Texas Chainsaw, they were all the sort of bland, forgettable, um, you know, lack of vision, just sort of, okay, here's a name that people recognize. Let's, let's do this. So it had more ambition than, than that, but it just, uh, not didn't do much for me at all. And, uh, I know there's another one coming out in a week or two. Yeah. So, you know, and I'll see it of course. Oh uh, yeah, but, definitely. Yeah. And you, I'm reading good things anyway. You can't good, trust so. anybody, dude. It's like anything that people write, I, I'm so suspicious of, of people writing about movies these days. Honestly. Oh yeah. Totally. Me too. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I want to know if anyone got like an envelope of money before they wrote their uh, their review on some of these movies. <laughs> yeah, and also like coming out, like it played uh, South by Southwest. And usually like if a movie premieres at a, a fest or something, the reviews that come out tend to be more favorable. And then when it gets to all the critics, you know, uh, the you'll see that tomato meter uh, start to dip, you know. Right. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean. I I, yeah, I always root for everything to be good. Like I hope it's good. I hope I like it. You know. Yeah. I watched. Uh, you know, my mother is a horror fan, so we spent a lot right. of time together this week, and uh, so she hadn't seen Midnight Mass, and um, I decided to uh, show it to her this week. So we watched it together. The uh, the series. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, she kind of was bored by it. You know, my mom. <laughs> my mom even told me that she's like. I don't, I, you know, I, I don't really watch series. I, I just rather watch a movie, but if you want to watch right. it, I put it on, you know? So I'm like, all right. And I, 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 I think it's strong, man. I really, I really like that series, man. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you and Mike, uh, it made your top, uh, of, of your list of 2021. It seems very personal, man. And like, I don't, I like Mike Flanagan's work. And if he, I know that he uh, struggled with alcoholism and he's in recovery and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I guess like for me, when there's like a very heavy personal influence on a piece like that, it, it gets a lot more uh, leverage with me, I guess. 
Sure, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, didn't didn't do much for me. I wasn't wasn't such a big fan of that one. But uh, again, it wasn't like the worst thing I'd ever seen. It just, uh, you know, it. it uh, yeah, I I would have to agree with your mom. I was a little little bored by it, but yeah. you know, not terrible. Yeah, she she did not. She liked the vampire parts, but she didn't. She right, thought, yeah. she was kind of like, why, why do I care about these this guy and these other people? Like, we got too many characters, like that kind of thing. Yeah, I, you know, I think I had this exact conversation with my mom about the show. <laughs> like, <laughs> like uh, same thing, really. My mom will always tell me like what, what she saw something she can never remember the title or anything, and I have yeah. to kind of kind of figure out what she's talking about. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're talking about, yeah, Midnight Mass. Yeah, I saw that, too. <laughs> um, yeah. The one scene, right on. though, that there's one part that I still fucking love, man, is, like, when the priest is talking about, the Monsignor is talking about his interaction, like, his meetup with the vampire and how it's... Right. Like, his whole dialogue about how it's, like, this this ancient ruin and he goes... It's, like, this Robert E. Howard, like, fucking Bran MacMorn, Solomon Kane kind of storyline. Yeah, really yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was early in the show too. It was like episode one or two, right? I think it was. Yeah, maybe like somewhere in that. Yeah, first couple episode episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it definitely. Uh, that would probably get a rewatch out of me at some point. Like maybe uh, a second viewing, I'll see something that I didn't before. And you know, I know he had a newer show on Netflix that sort of, you know, came and went really, really, really quickly. What, uh, uh, what show? Mid- Midnight Club or something like that. I don't yeah, know. that sounded too depressing for me, man. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't check that out. People told me to check it out. Then it's like a bunch of kids on like some fucking hospice or something. I don't want to hear about that, man. Yeah, yeah. It, it um, had a real YA kind of vibe to it. I watched a couple episodes. Thought, you know, not yeah, not for me. It's uh, too too close to the real world for me in a lot of ways. Like I just in the last couple of years, like. That's been my fucking world, man. So I don't, I don't fucking need to watch uh, escapist uh, fiction about something like that. Yeah. Oh, I hear that a hundred percent. But uh, before we get going, I forget everyone out there. We have uh, a uh, voice line now. So if you want to leave a message, you can hit us at nine zero eight nine one three zero seven eight two nine zero eight nine one three zero seven eight two and you can uh leave a voicemail about basically anything and uh we'll either play it on the show or discuss it and you can you tell us whether or not you want us to play the audio or just uh you know discuss some of the points that you guys brought up so so i like to like to really thank um mike from Pennsylvania, I'm gonna leave everyone's last name off because you know you never know. Yeah, what, of course. What the yeah. fucks uh, creeps are out there, <laughs> yeah. especially especially with this bunch that listens to this show. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I like to thank Mike for being the first person to leave a uh, voicemail, and uh, thanks for the kind words, man. And um, really appreciate you know everything you said. And uh, he brought something up interesting, uh, Jeff, how he saw yeah. me and you perform back in Philadelphia uh, in Isis when you played in that band. When I played in mm-hmm. Anodyne and we were opening for uh, I Hate God. And Keelhaul, right? Keelhaul. Yeah, they were on that, too. And it was I've, I actually have very, very vivid memories of that show. 
So, Mike. Oh, good. Yeah, you were out there. That's awesome that you went to that show. We, I, I have excellent memories of that night. And uh, it was at some venue in Philly that was like part of like a college campus maybe or something like that. Dude, I, I have to admit, I don't remember that at all. Okay. Zero memory of that show. <laughs> right on. I, I, I have uh, fond memories of it. So, wait, because I, I, I thought it was at the, the church, but apparently not. No, we we played together at the church, but I, but that was with uh with tombs, I think. Yeah, that was maybe like uh, before the that was like two thousand six or something. It was like right before the Tool tour. We played the church. Uh, may, oh no, you know what? That wasn't tombs. That was with uh Versoma. Yeah, yeah, it would have had to have been. Yeah, yeah. And then I we played in Philly with you guys at like the Trocadero or something like that too. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, this show that I got, like I, I remember playing CDs. I remember playing the LNG in Connecticut. I don't know if you played either one of those shows. No, uh, CBs. Yes, that might have been the date with uh with Canute on that. Oh, that was way before that tour. All right. Yeah. Then yeah. um, that, that would have been Anodyne. Yeah. Oh, Tombs never played, um, or Versoma never played with you guys at uh, at CB's. No, because we we weren't a band at that point. Mm, right. Um, so you had fun. The show was good then. <laughs> yeah, it was fun, man. It was a uh, you know a long time ago, man. It was like very very cool, man. And uh, good times. That's all I got to say about yeah. that. Now, uh, Mike also mentioned uh, Death Dream and Shockwaves. Uh, movies that, yeah now death dream is a movie that i've been really bucking to do on this show are you familiar with that one? Uh yeah sure is that the bob clark one yes that's the bob clark movie yeah i watched that on a flight to europe once i believe i had a portable dvd player that i brought with me on tour and i, I remember kind of like being half awake on a plane watching that so i don't really remember the movie at all at all um but uh, I do own it somewhere. It's somewhere in this mess behind me of all my DVDs I haven't put on a shelf yet. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would like to watch that again. He also mentioned Murder by Decree, a movie I, I, I own and completely forgot that I have. Did you ever see that one? I haven't seen that one, actually. It's cool. It's a Sherlock Holmes movie. It's really slow. I believe Christopher Plummer plays Sherlock Holmes. Huh, okay. Uh, um. It's pretty cool. Yeah, Bob Clark, you know, interesting interesting filmography for him. You know, a lot of sort of horror movies and then he goes on to do, you know, the that Christmas movie, the um the one about the kid but the why can't I fucking think of the name? <laughs> kid he wants to buy a BB gun. Oh uh, yeah, story. Christmas story. Yeah, aptly yeah. titled Christmas story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I'm, I'm down for that. Checking out some of his flicks. I'm man. definitely yeah, I've sure. been I've been trying to do uh, death dream for a while um and also he mentions uh alan ormsby's uh children shouldn't play with dead things you ever see that yes yes yeah my that's god a, that's, yeah, a, that's a good you, one man. Yeah, i have not one. thought about that movie in ages uh well i i think i remember that being on the remakes like slate for a while there's talk of, of that being it, it might have actually been remade i don't know but I, yeah i do remember that movie Another movie that has been, I might not have talked about doing that one, but it's in my back pocket as a, a film I want to talk about. But yeah, let's, hey, that's another thing you guys can do with this voicemail system is um, 
make recommendations like this. And if it's something that we either have in the, in the works or thinking about doing, or it might be something we haven't even thought about, that this might be a great way to get ideas. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I love it. Yeah. I was very appreciative to, to, to hear someone, uh, you know, call in with, with suggestions and, and positive ones, you know, because, you know, I, I don't know about you, Mike, but I'll get some 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 negativity uh, in my uh, <laughs> my uh, Instagram uh, direct messages sometimes like you're an idiot. <laughs> uh, can't believe you like this. Can't believe you didn't like it. I will say this, though. I was surprised uh, the people people not only liked the Wicker Man uh, episode we did, but some people even messaged me to say they actually enjoyed the remake, too. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I'm not alone there. <laughs> um, everyone acknowledges that, like, yeah, it's kind of trash, but it's also kind of a blast. Yeah, I mean, see, that's the, that's the cool thing about it, man. It's not, not you know, we, we don't all agree on everything, and maybe there's, like, some of these, like, movies out there that have definite merits that are generally not thought of as being quality, you know, by the general population, which I think is cool. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say something else, man. What the fuck was I gonna say about uh, these movies? Oh yeah, Shockwaves. That's a that's another uh, another good one. It's like a very offbeat sort of Nazi World War Two zombie uh, extravaganza. Really cool looking zombies in that. And um, yeah, something that's a that's a a very good subgenre that hasn't really come into his own in some ways. Is the Nazi zombie genre you know what i mean yeah um i seem to remember there was a couple that came out in the year early 2000s there was a one called what was it, outpost yeah i think it was yep. yeah okay it had the guy who played the punisher yeah not tom jane the one before that i forget yeah, the other guy. british the guy, guy the guy yeah. was in uh, uh rome or whatever yeah oh oh was he i never saw that yeah oh uh i remember that thinking that was actually pretty pretty decent movie I think it's uh, a potential there because, as most people know, the Nazis were way into like the occult and to have some kind of a reanimated, you know, uh, necro sort of cult thing going on. I think would be a really cool idea for for more films. You know. Yeah, and and now with like a you know because that movie Outpost was before streaming, so it was direct to video, which at the time was kind of the kiss of death, you yeah. know, like uh, it, it was uh, a comment on the quality of the movie. But now, you know, with the streaming and everything, uh, I, I think uh, the quality of those kinds of movies have gotten infinitely better. You know, maybe uh, people are over zombies, though, too. But then again, The Last of Us um, is kind of pretty much a zombie movie. And people seem to be back interested in that sort of thing. Yeah, actually, that's one thing I forgot to bring up is I, I did finally finish it. We finished watching season one last night. And uh, did you finish it yet, Mike? Yeah, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great, man. I really enjoyed it. Oh, did it. you? Yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah. It lost me for a while. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, I As a series, I really enjoyed it. There were definitely some episodes that I felt were kind of filler-esque in some ways. Yeah. You know, like I kind of would have appreciated maybe a little bit more editing, you know, and and a lot of these are the ones that were the overt pulling at the heartstrings episodes, you know. Sure. Yeah. Um, 
I actually, you know, I, I think it started strong. I thought the last episode was was great. Yeah. Uh, so right out the gate, episodes one, two, three, phenomenal. Then uh, it got a little episodic, a little boring, and, but it ended, had a great ending. And I couldn't help but thinking, I was like, this would have really made a great two and a half hour long movie. Yeah. Yeah. Or like a, or maybe just, or even like a three parter or something like that, you know, like three yeah. hour long episodes or something. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And it, it started to sort of hit a lot of tropes that you see so many times in, in the, you know, these, these kind of apocalyptic films and you have the, like the nutty Christian cult kind of thing. Like, you know, we've seen this a million times. Um, you know, things like that. Like it, it kind of brushed up against the walking dead kind of stuff. And like, you know, one episode, Oh, here's a bad guy. Okay. That's over. Okay. Next episode. Here's a bad guy. All right. That's over. It, it, it's, I don't know. It, but but it really reeled it in for me with that last episode. But yeah. really it ended really strong. Pedro Pascal is fucking awesome. He seems to be everywhere lately, but uh, I think he's great, you know. And, and um, I think he, he made a really good Joel. I know there was a lot of uh, sort of backlash about him playing the role, but uh, I thought he did great. What, what, what problem not, could I, anyone possibly have with that? Yeah, I I have no idea. I think maybe because of what I said, oh, he's the Mandalorian. He's he's uh, in everything. But oh, yeah, maybe yeah. there was. Just, I got you. Yeah, um, I don't know, but I I think he's he's fucking great. Uh, great actor, a lot of range, uh, can pull off a lot of different things. And yeah, I'm looking forward to season two. I know uh, my my girlfriend was telling me she's a big gamer that um, the second uh, last of this game is sort of controversial. Uh, uh, for for some of uh, the depiction of the characters you you know grown to know and love, so oh, I'm curious to see. Yeah, I'm curious to see like you know if it sticks to that or if it ventures off because I think I think it strayed pretty far from the video game in, in, in parts uh, during the first season. This might be the uh, kiss of death for me, but uh, <laughs> there's a couple other factors in my life going on right now about this decision. But I'm going to buy. Of a, a uh, game system, and uh, wow, start checking and checking out some of this stuff. All right, so you, dude, I can picture like you know, I won't talk to you for a month, and then I like you're gonna be sitting in a gamer chair with like crushed Mountain Dew cans all around you. Yeah, I'm just like <laughs> like 300 pounds, you know. <laughs> yeah, boxes of pizza everywhere, <laughs> naked, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I'm I, I'm not a huge gamer. I have a PS4 and. Uh, I'll play a game every once in a while, and it's usually something I've played before. I love those Batman games; like I could play those forever. But you know, I'm just I'm not in the the, the, the gaming thing. It's just it's just not me. Well, my friend uh, Therese uh, um, from uh, Mares of Thrace, like she recommended some stuff, and she works in um, the uh, art aspect of it like the proof of concept like art world for video gaming and mm. she's, she's like convinced me to to get into more of this stuff for a number of reasons that aren't just associated with the enjoyment of the games so that's why i'm i think i'm buying one of these things nice and i know i've said this before to you but check out the game quarry the ps5 game yeah no totally yeah right on man so before we get going i want to run down our uh, our crew, you know, 
like crews are very important in this world. You have to have people backing you up in the world. And uh, of course, I'm talking about the horsemen of the podcasting apocalypse. Completely a organic development over the last couple of years, not the least of which is a result of the pandemic. One of the few positive things to come out of the pandemic that we just uh, lived through. So, yeah, of course, on Mondays, we have Brandon Legion bringing us Horror Wolf 666. On Tuesday, we have extreme metal master Jackie Smith coming at us with Into the Necrosphere. And I, I honestly, I listen to this every week. You know, sometimes I'll listen to The Heavy Hole by Big Will over in Long Island. That's another great music podcast. But this is it for me, man. I don't really check out anyone else doing music podcasting. So this is like my source for a lot of stuff. Wednesday is uh, Everything Went Black, which this week there is an uh, episode from The Vault because uh, you know, I just fell behind, man, with all the personal stuff going on. Sure. Of course, Thursday, you know, today is Necro Thursday, which this episode comes at you. Friday is Break the Apocalypse with Skindado's brother, John Draper, uh, bringing commentary, like cultural commentary. I would say that's a good description of that show. Mm-hmm. And Sunday is Carl Hikara's Soul Knox. Carl and I are doing a collaboration right now that's going to extend for the next few months. We're covering the work of Carl Edward Wagner, specifically in a lonely place, his now back in print collection of, of horror short stories. So that's uh, that's pretty much the whole game. Yeah, man. We are the Wu Tang Clan of podcasting. <laughs> yeah, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Right on. So, Mike, what are we talking about today? All right. So th- that brings us to finally to uh, today's episode. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about The Outwaters, which uh, was a short theatrical run starting on February 9th, 2022. Originally was released in the New Jersey Film Festival February 12th, 2022, and is now streaming. If you have a Screenbox membership, it's on that platform exclusively right now with your membership. But it's also, I guess you said you rented this, right? Yeah, on like Apple, Apple, the Apple app or something. Yeah, whatever, Apple movies. <laughs> yeah, something like that. So for, there was a lot of fanfare about this. I started hearing about this movie uh, months ago, and it was being yeah. presented to as a found footage uh cosmic horror like it was adding it was all these things all these terms that really grabbed my interest were being thrown at me when it comes to this film okay now i remember rennie having a lot of trepidation about this movie okay so Mm -hmm. we were discussing this as time went on you know i think maybe he saw some footage or some trailers or he had some insights into it that weren't available to everyone and so he was like, yeah, I don't know, man. You know, it's this could be not that great, you know, whatever. So there was a little bit of that controversy. And then I heard a, another podcast review in advance of this. And I was like, okay. Originally, I wanted to see this in the theater. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it had already left its theatrical run, okay? So what happened was... Uh, 
I looked at Screenbox, and you can get a free month. So that's how I took advantage of this thing. So I had, I took the Screenbox membership. I watched History of the Occult, and I watched this, and then I canceled it. So I got to watch it within the three the month long, uh, you know, subscription thing. Right. So, so yeah. yeah, and that's uh, that's how I checked it out. Oh, okay. Yeah, this sort of came and went in the theater uh, rather quickly. Um, it seemed to me making some noise right around the time Skinamarink was was sort of, uh, you know, the talk of the town. Right. And this movie does somewhat get compared to that film. Uh, while they're vastly different from each other, I do sort of see how people can make that connection. Yeah, in like a very mile-high view of this these two films, I can see how that connection would be made. And uh, yeah. So before I saw this, though, I remember our our mutual friend Scott Hall and I were texting, and and Scott oh, Scott. Scott Scott's a uh, you know friend who know Jeff and I have known him for years, and uh, yeah, he and I text about movies every now and then, pretty pretty regularly actually, I would say, and he shares mm-hmm. stuff with me like you know MP4s and everything. So he was asking me if I'd seen it, and he saw it in the theater. And uh, I was like, yeah, I, I, I'm going to try to see it this weekend, whatever. So then he responded that over the weekend, and he's like, did you see it? And he's like, and his, only, his only comment on the film was that, oh, yeah, it's got great sound design. <laughs> so mm. I was like, huh, okay. This is, I got to gear myself up for something, I guess. So, yeah, that was, that was <laughs> going into the film. There was all these, like, forces at play when I went to go see this. Okay. Yeah. Um, he's not wrong about the sound design. Yeah. That, I mean, I watched it at home ultimately, so I didn't get the full PA system, you know, treatment. On sure. This yeah, me too. But I do remember uh, while watching it, like, oh, this does have some interesting things going on as far as that goes. I mean, for me, per like, I, I mean, you like sound footage movies, right? I think found footage films could be done really well. And there have definitely been a bunch that I enjoy, you know, like we love you and I both love Lake Mungo, you know, that's like a yes. more kind of a found footage film, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, wreck um, wreck was also great. Yeah. Wreck, yeah. Oh yeah. There are some great films in the found footage genre. Although as time went on, like the, the limitation to the format really revealed itself where like, everyone you see sort of rolls out the same way and has a similar end. It's just a formula that you somewhat have to stick to. Um, So when I, when I found out Outwaters was found footage, I I got a little disappointed actually. Like, Oh man, because there's really only so much you can do. And especially when you don't have a lot of money. I mean, if you've got a lot of like a Cloverfield kind of budget, there's a lot of crazy shit you can do. Sure. But I know this was made for like no money and um, credit where credit is due. Uh, I think this movie really did bring something very different to the found footage genre uh, for better or for worse. Um, I think that uh, when, when it all was said and done, I was sitting like thinking, well, that was different. <laughs> that yeah. was definitely different. Well, before we get too deep into that, let's the guy who, behind this uh this film his name is uh robbie banfitch okay mm-hmm. hailing from new jersey new brunswick to be exact oh yeah 
I don't know anything about this guy. Um, I haven't seen any of his films. Uh, he has a you know a few things listed on IMDb, but it's not anything that I've seen or recognize. So mm, no, yeah, same. Uh, the cast of this film, uh, Banfitch stars as uh, Robbie, um, and it seems like these are all just people that he either works with or are friends with, and you know. So we have Angela Basolis as Angela. <laughs> we have yeah Scott. Shamel Shamel as Scott, Michelle May as Michelle, <laughs> yeah, Leslie Ann Banfitch, which I'm assuming is his uh, you know, wife, maybe as Leslie, Arrow Caitlin as Arrow, <laughs> and uh, a couple other flight attendants and you know nine one one operators, etc. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and it kind of opens interesting with the nine one one call, and it kind of sets up a little bit of a tone, which I thought kind of was a little bit compelling at first, you know? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty pretty good uh, intro. And you said tone. That's another thing I, I would say is a uh, one of the more compelling aspects of this movie. Found footage isn't necessarily known for tone or atmosphere, but this movie definitely has both. Yeah, no, I, I think that's one of the things I agree with you on for sure. The basic premise of this film is that it's footage that was uh, edited together from SD cards. And uh, there was mm-hmm. like this group of people were going out to the, um, to the desert to film a music video for, uh, which, uh, what was uh, the woman's name? Who was the artist? I, the singer? I think it was Angela. Yeah, Angela. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah. uh, see, this is kind of the impact. Um, <laughs> it's like I can't even remember the name of the titles, you know? Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> the, the names of the people in the film. So, anyway, there's uh, there's some completely, like, insipid, like, white girl music thing going on, which is like, <laughs> like, let's go out to the desert and I'll wear these, like, flowing, you know, dresses and the wind will blow and some bullshit music, you know, that kind of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, she's even got the, like, white girl hippy-tippy kind of, like, tattoos, yeah. you know, like, the little, like, lines on her fingers and stuff like that. Like, yeah. I'm like, she's either perfectly cast or she is this person, and I'm leaning towards she probably is that person. Like, she probably has, like, sage at her apartment and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, I'm really into holistic this and that, <laughs> all Pro- that kind probably, of shit. Uh, yeah, yeah. Probably crystals and stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. She, and- yeah. And also probably does like cocaine though. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, it's mentioned in the movie. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like all these like spiritual LA types, you know, that are like into crystals and sage, and then they're like partying with like cocaine and meth and stuff, you know. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. That is your classic LA person right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. With all with all due respect, you know what I mean? So there you oh, go. Oh yeah, do your thing, man. Yeah. So right then and there, I don't like any of these fucking characters. It's like, <laughs> there's like the other one who works in PR or whatever. Like, she's like the one from, like, she's from New Jersey. So I guess that's the uh, the connection that, um, you know, they had to shout out the East Coast. So one of the characters is a East Coast tri-state area type, you know? Sure, yeah. And she was like really annoying too, so. Yeah, yeah. No, she was, uh, uh, yeah, she was very annoying. And I mean, Robbie and Scott are brothers. 
Yeah. They don't uh, strike me reasons. as brothers, though, for some reason. No. No, not at all. And, um, you know, right. Like, right, yeah, you see a scene with, uh, I think it's uh, Scott's birthday, or Robbie's birthday. I can't remember. They go to see their mother and the whole, okay, this is broken up into like three, three cards. Like it says card one. Right. And then, cause this is a, you know, you're, you're supposed to be watching someone cobble together for evidence basically. And card one, I, uh, I remember looking down uh, or looking to check to see how long I'd been watching it. And I'd been watching it for 37 minutes and nothing had really happened yet. And, you know, I know like the, 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 the getting to know the characters part of a found footage movie is, is it's part of it. You know, um, it, it's an important part. You got to get to know these people before the crazy thing happens. But I, I feel like. And during that, you know, you'll see some sort of Easter egg or something in the background. A character will say something. Right. Yeah. I struggled to find anything relevant about the first half hour or so of this movie. Yeah, that I that mean, was a, a big letdown for me, too, because part of me was like this. Uh, the, the filmmaker was like being literal about this found footage thing. Like it was, OK, this is car- characterization. This is like uh, development exposition. But. Well, there's no thing giving any kind of real foreshadowing as to what's going going to happen, you know, or any kind of like indication of things to come. Yeah, uh, there was a couple things in there um, that maybe meant something, maybe didn't. Um, like, well, yeah, like I said, they go to see the mother and that doesn't really play into the plot at all a little bit. But uh, I really feel like you could have cut 20 minutes out of this this intro. I mean... Sure, you get to know the characters, and you know some of it's shot a little bit more interesting than your standard found footage. You know, you see the the, the white yoga girl like in, in the <laughs> studio doing doing vocals and stuff, and it's lit. Her face is like lit, uh, sort of red, and the background's purple. Or maybe I got that flip. Maybe your face is purple, but like it, it looked a little bit a little, like more artistically shot than than your standard found footage, and that's something that goes throughout the whole movie. Uh, I think elevates it from your usual um, sound footage. You're like, oh, this actually looks good. There's there's cool shots in it. And at one point, you you, you feel like you're watching a scene from Terrence Malick's Tree of Life. You know, the the, the strange camera, and you got a girl in a dress twirling in the sunshine. And I was like, oh, okay, this is kind of interesting. Yeah, I I agree with that. And and um. But wasn't she like crying at some point too in the, in in the, some of this video footage thing? Or about what she was saying yes. about some very difficult, like heavy lyrical content or something? You know? Yeah, I, I think someone was mean to her in line at Starbucks. <laughs> no. Uh, no, her her mom had just died. Um, which is a detail that's brought up, but again, doesn't really doesn't really mean anything. And when when the movie's all said and done, uh, so much of this first card isn't uh, important. I thought the only thing, and I, I mean, you must have caught this. There's a uh, earth like there's like I think two earthquakes in in that in that first card where they yeah. they, they experience a, an earthquake. I have to think that has to be relevant to the events that come later. I don't know if you have any thoughts about that, but. It, it's just hard to tell, man. It's like part of me was th- I thought the same thing. And now throughout this film, though, there's a very cool thing 
with like vibrations and like you know sounds coming from the ground all right so there's yeah. definitely some sort of uh geographical geologic or geological like tectonic thing going on with that area that they're in you know so i have to say that the earthquake has to do with some of the phenomena that happen in the in the movie yeah i mean otherwise why even you know have that uh we should say first of all we should give a spoiler warning uh because we'll probably spoil a few things um but yeah, I would have to think that the earthquake plays into that. Although this movie is is vague to the point where I felt frustrated through about eighty percent of watching this movie. And, yeah, yeah, definitely, man. Because, and and this is the part where I started getting really frustrated. Actually, is okay. when, when shit started happening, right? Um, you know, it's so obscured in darkness that you have no idea what the hell is actually going on. You know what I mean? Right. And I think that's where some of these skinnamarine comparisons, uh, I think are coming from because, um, yeah, when shit goes down, basically the entire movie is just lit by like, you're looking at a black screen, this little circle of light, like by, by, uh, by a flashlight. So you really only get tiny glimpses of what's happening, except for the stuff that's happening during the day. Like, you know, and even that's a little sort of vague. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that I'm going to say the differences though, is that in Skinamarink there, there really is, you're not looking at anything. Your, your mind is interpreting what's going on and creating an interpretation of what these images are. Like in Skinamarink you're, you're spending a lot of time like meditating on this, like very static, picture you know sure and and or nothing or just darkness and like you know sort of uh remnants of something you know and your your brain is connecting these things and creating an image and that is the subplot of the subtext of the film really is what your mind the story your mind creates around that in the outwaters there actually is something going on in the back but you just can't see it you know Right. And uh, yeah, and that's something I thought of too. Whereas, like, Skinamarink is sort of open to interpretation or it, projecting your own ideas about what this could mean. This is meant to be taken literally. Since it's a found footage movie, you're, you're looking at footage that actually happened. So, this idea that, oh, it's a metaphor, it's all in his head, this is a nightmare, that goes all out the window. Totally. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, that left me wondering. And this is like, I think I texted it to you yesterday. What the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> I mean. Well, like I was saying, uh, well, I wasn't saying this actually, but as, <laughs> what, I was, what I was thinking was, all right, Skinamarink is like an impressionist film. Like you're, you're, you're taking that information and it's not found footage. It's some bizarre netherworld that you're in, that you're observing. Okay. Right. This literally is documented footage like this is alleged to be off of sd cards so this really happened so all the carnage all the things that you see you have to take that at face value as something that actually is on those sd cards as evidence okay so that yeah, had totally. to have happened it can't be like this guy freaked out and whatever killed that's not real that's not what happened some other alien 
entity or creature or whatever did all this stuff, then he's recording all of that on the camera. You know, so that's that's my take on it is that, yeah, there, there was, they're in some like Roswell-esque part of the desert. Shit's weird. You know, there was like some kind of uh, military, uh, you know, covert bunker somewhere below the ground possibly. I mean, those are the, th- those are the details they don't reveal to you. But there's obviously yeah. something going on. It's got, you know, these fucking weird snakes or tentacles. So you don't, you don't see the satisfying things. You know what I mean? Like, they yeah. don't, and they don't really clearly imply that. And that's, that's one of the more frustrating things of this film either, too, as well, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And rhythmically, it's a little weird. Like I say, for like 30, 35, 40 minutes, it's this very, very slow buildup to uh and then they you know they spend a night in um the desert they hear weird things they're a little freaked out i kind of liked that scene too i was like oh this is kind of different for found it's very atmospheric and and creepy and it's not the usual kind of exposition you see in something like this it's 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 cool and then you know, the next thing is the next day they're a little freaked out but they go about their business and then that night from that moment in the film on, it's basically kind of a one-man show. Yeah, basically, and, right, yeah. Yeah, you, you can hear things, but you don't really... It's You don't really see anything that's happened. You see, like, you hear screaming, you see that there's blood everywhere, but you don't... You know, at one point, I wasn't even sure who it was holding the camera. Um, yeah, and that, that should be clear, though. You know what I mean? That That's the thing where the movie really fails, in my opinion, is you don't, like, all right, the story's being told the way it's being told, but you should at least know who's holding the camera and kind of the, the more, like, you need to have more basic information to work with, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and why this incredibly long buildup to something that just goes really crazy, like, uh, uh, at one point, like, you have four characters and then you're down to one. You know what I mean? It, it was just sort of a, an, an odd choice. You know, you give these characters all these like details and things like that, but they don't really kind of mean anything in the big picture of this movie. And there's no real like kernels of, of anything throughout the movie to uh, make you to, to explain what you're seeing or at least give you an idea of what you're seeing. Like you don't really get any of that. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, it, it could have been a, just a short film, man, to be honest with you. And maybe I would have liked it if it was a short. Yeah. I mean, the movie is um, like 110 minutes, man. Y- yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like, long. Yeah. If my whole night was spent watching this movie, basically. Yeah, and uh, I found myself getting like frustrated, like, uh, like what's going on? What's going on? Maybe and I'm fine with things being vague, but I- I'm not really entirely sure that even maybe the filmmakers kind of knew where this was all going or why this was happening. Um, there are, I mean, there's some cool elements to this movie. I mean. But I still couldn't really tell you what I think is really happening. Like, I, I, at one point, when things are still normal, they see a snake. And then, you know, when things go crazy, you start to see these sort of what look like skinned snakes to me. Right. Kind of running around and screaming. Um, uh, I like the ominous, like, little, like, posse of donkeys. 
Yeah, that was very cool. But yeah, the, yeah, there's some cool color and touches to this movie that like make it creepy. And I have to say, in the end, I found it very unsettling and disturbing, more so than I was expecting. Well, before, this is a pretty dark movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, the ending I thought was like art school 101 to be asked if you ask me about it. You know, it's just like so I, I really hated the ending. I thought it was like self-indulgent and just kind of like. All right, cool. You, you cut you guy cuts his cock off. You know, he's out naked in the desert. It's like, all right, right on, man. Cool. But yeah, he's, he's naked throughout the entire second half of the movie. <laughs> yeah. For reasons unknown. I have no idea why he's naked, but he is. Exactly, you know? Um, yeah. But the buildup, like we were talking about earlier, like the kind of buildup to that crazy night. I, 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 even though I didn't like the Blair Witch Project, I feel like the buildup in that movie was way more effective than in this film. Mm, yeah. You know? Like, I, 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 I'm yeah, not... A, don't, don't get me wrong. I don't really like the Blair Witch Project. I've tried for decades at this point to really appreciate that film and uh i just don't like it really and um but i have to say that the slow descent into the weird world of the witch it was way more effective than the descent into whatever was going on in this film right well and then you have a lot of like exposition in in the blair witch they're doing a documentary about right. this so that you know, like the explanations about what this is makes all sort of sense. And this, they're shooting a music video and they are unaware of the danger that they're in. But what is that danger? What? Yeah. I mean, first of all, I, I'm not even sure what the title refers to. Dude, I, I, I gave up trying to figure out what the hell this guy was, <laughs> what point this guy was trying to make with any of this stuff, honestly. Yeah, yeah. and... I, you know, at one point when uh, the naked man is, is wandering around, you see little, uh, okay, like you see there's a gas mask with a, uh, a sign buried in the sand that says restricted area. And this is out in the Mojave Desert. So right, right away, you start to go to the alien phenomenon. And this movie plays a lot with space and time. Uh, like at, at one point, Robbie sees these sort of flashes of light that is maybe some sort of, I don't know, tunnel or wormhole. Uh, because at one point, you see Robbie is looking at him. Actually, in a few points, Robbie is looking at himself. Uh, some from the previous day, he sees him and his group of friends walking in the desert. And at other points, he sees himself covered in blood. Yeah. Um, but I'm still not really sure what happened. Did Robbie kill his friends? I don't know. I don't believe he did. And I hang that uh, that comment on the fact that this is, you're, you're, you're actually observing what happened. So it should be clear that something, some creature killed everybody. Like you're seeing those weird snakes too. Like that's not like a, a you're, you're not looking at a hallucination. You're looking at something that was captured on the cameras. Right, exactly. Yeah, because it's found footage, and yeah, you, you can't capture someone's hallucination on on on, on video for sure. Uh, but yeah, you're also seeing Robbie see himself, and his other self has the axe, 
And uh, at one point before Robbie goes down this wormhole, he sees someone in, in the distance uh, carrying an axe, which I assume was his future self or alternate self. Uh, so what is happening here? Well, I mean, I, I, I read. All right. So that that's you, I'm glad you brought that up because that's where the shit really fall apart for me for me as well okay because i was just like everything i felt like everything was pretty clear up until that point okay we this is a but then if you're going to start playing around with like time dilation and slippage like that you're in the wrong medium to do that as like found footage you know because how the hell how would you capture something like that on like a video camera Right, and why is he still carrying this camera? That's always the thing people bring up about these found footage movies. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, la- the last thing in my mind would be to shoot this stuff, you know, if I was going through a situation like that, you know, where I'm naked in the desert and everyone's dead. You know, the last thing I would do is try to capture everything on video. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, you know, not only are these wormholes, he's sort of wandering around in the dark, and at one point, he's in the tent again, but like he didn't walk into the tent. He's just there. Like it seems to be playing like with different set of rules and wherever, whatever he's in. And, uh, you know, at one point his, his, the, the, the white yoga girl is covered in blood and running from him. And no matter what he does, he can't catch up to her. Um, so I think, yeah, we're clearly dealing with some alternate sort of, uh, space and time, uh, thing but it, it's never really explained and I'm not 100% sure the filmmakers even quite knew the, the answers to this question I'm going to use an example of someone who knows what they're doing or, or two guys who really know what they're doing in a, a non-conventional filmmaking setting that maybe this dude should have referenced maybe to tell his story better and of course I'm talking about Benson and Moorhead you know? uh, yeah, I knew it. <laughs> it's yeah. like those films have like almost like a found footage vibe at times, right? Oh, totally. I mean, especially the last film they made, which really, which actually was a found footage film, technically mixed with like documentary footage or whatever. Right. But it has like a very verite, like film verite, you know, cinema verite, like vibe to it, where you're watching real life, and yet it doesn't actually commit to being like, all right, yeah, this is found footage a hundred percent. Like that's kind of like what the, the guy, if he was going to try to talk about like time travel or, or interdimensional things, it really is like the wrong medium to tell that story. in, And I think that worked against him on this. Yeah, sure. And like I said, this is ambitious for a found footage movie, trying to do different things with the genre and bring a different uh, perspective and element to it. But yeah, I agree. It doesn't quite work. I think this would have been a much more successful, interesting movie had you gotten rid of that found footage uh, idea altogether. Like, just take this movie, shoot it how it is, but just this isn't found footage we're watching. Uh, and it becomes infinitely more interesting, and the possibilities of what we're seeing are, are are broadened. Also, cut out the actual footage you shot of the white lady uh, video. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 that, yeah. I was like, all right, all right, whatever. This is cool, you know. But I don't need to see all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, again, yeah, it felt a little unnecessary to the plot, and um, you know, 
it's ambitious. It, it definitely re- was reaching for something different. Um, I had to say at the end, I was uh, disturbed by some of what I saw. Um, but, I, you know, I didn't, I mean, maybe I'm just dumb. I just didn't quite understand exactly. I, I didn't know uh, if everything was there to make it clear. You know, I don't need a movie spelled out for me. You got the, you know, kill list where it leaves you enough to put a conclusion together. I don't think this really quite does that. It totally doesn't, you know, and, and like I said, it just felt lazy. It felt like a lot of the stuff was unnecessary. And, and the singer, the, uh, the hippie uh, singer lady really doesn't play any real role in the fucking narrative at all. She's just like a person to be killed in the movie. So why spend so much time on it? You know? Yeah. And give her the story about the mother uh, uh, dying and, you know, uh, I, I mentioned like the, the the brothers go to see their mother in the first uh, uh, card, and then at, at one point he sees. Does he not see his mother in the tent or hear his mother's voice? Yeah, yeah, that that happened in there for sure. Yeah, and of course this can't all be in his head. This is found footage. This is happening. Yeah, the movie left me with more questions and answers. I love ambiguity and horror. I think can be great. Here it was just a little frustrating this this felt like a sort of fleshed out idea almost like a short film to present to a studio like oh look what i can do like let's turn this into a feature like it it still felt like it was in that stage of its of its uh, existence um but i mean okay so final grade what would you give this I give this a one, man. Wow. Yeah. I okay. really, really dislike this movie. And, uh, you know, the, uh, first I'll say the, the positive, you know, is that, yeah, cool. They tried some new stuff. Good for, you know, they did, they did, uh, the, the ambition was good. The execution was a complete failure in my, atten- in my opinion, you know. Okay. It's, uh, you know, I don't. What they should have left ambiguous was the actual medium of what we're watching. Drop the whole mm-hmm. SD card stuff. Don't have the music video in there. Um, present it more like Benson and Moorhead do it, where you're like, here's this thing we're watching. I don't know what it is. It could, it could be found footage. It could be, you know, some other thing we're being voyeurs on. And just go from there and make it... Or even Skinnamarink. Skinnamarink is like... What is this? This is some nether world that I'm looking into that it looks like old video footage, video footage, but is like something completely different, you know? Mm, yeah. Um, I'm a bit higher on this than you. While I was frustrated the whole time I, uh, and bored in the beginning, uh, it did leave an impression on me. I thought about it a lot. Uh, I've flip-flopped a few times, but I'm going to go with three and a half. Really? What a surprise. Yeah. What a surprise, man. Yeah, I mean, I I would definitely recommend this to people. And not necessarily because I think they'd like it, but I think I admire its ambition and the tone of it. This is a good-looking found footage movie, which is not something you could say about a lot of those. True. I'll give it that, for sure. Yeah. So there's that. There's the, the mystery. I really kind of wish there was a little bit more meat to to sort of put some things together but i do like 
how just it's it's something you've seen a million times presented a different way not necessarily successfully but it's different i'll give it that and it made me feel something i was you know that image of the bit of uh at the end not of you know his you know him cutting his dick off it was yeah. right right before that there's some imagery that is like truly disturbing in this movie and you know, uh, running into your future and past self. These are ideas that, that I really uh, like. I I would watch this again, for sure. And maybe try to look for things that I missed. Although I don't think there's really much I missed. There's not a lot in the way of exposition of what what's about to happen, other than those earthquakes that, that, that are mentioned that I feel must play into the plot somehow. Like, uh, something was unearthed, uh, uh, so, so to speak, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, uh, I, you know, maybe, you, maybe that is what happened, that he did kill those people. I don't know. I just, and that's the thing. It's like obscurity to the point of not knowing what the film is about, I feel like is kind of a failure in some ways. Yeah, I agree. Maybe I'd go three. It's somewhere between a three and a three and a half for me. All right, that's cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I'm I'm glad you you mentioned this. I mean, I I knew right away your feelings, like not your whole feelings, but like, you know, you asked me if I watched it, and you're like, yeah. And <laughs> when I asked you about it, I didn't. I was like, oh, Mike hates this. Well, my thing about it is like, if if anyone wants to be recommended a film like this, I would say go watch a Benson and Moorhead film. Instead of this, totally. You know, yeah, watch yeah. watch Skin and Marink, watch Seder because I feel like Seder, which came out a couple of years ago, is almost like the the kind of beginning of this whole movement of like weird films. You know, sure, sure, yeah. That, like, that that's a great one. To, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, like very unconventional, very uh, atmospheric. You know, very vague sort of narratives that sort of thing i feel like that might have been the beginning of this whole new movement really right and it's cool that they brought that to a found footage movie but yeah i agree that this would have worked a, a lot better in a more traditional sort of uh film you know traditional so like you're not watching you're not supposed to be watching you know tapes evidence or anything like that yeah well just a, one real quick about Seder, which we covered a couple of years ago, actually, and it's a great movie. But that does have a little bit of the same kind of elements of this movie where it's um, there's those deer cams, you know, mm. versus like SD cards. So, right. Yeah. 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 Overall, interesting. I'm I'm curious to see what what he does next. And. What else these these new crop of experimental filmmakers have up their sleeves? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's like I, <laughs> I'm not that. I, I'm probably going to forget about this guy unless uh, I see him at the diner or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you're both from Jersey. I'm not from New Jersey, dude. <laughs> you, you know what I mean. I, I live. I live here. But I'm not. I I don't. I'm not. I'm not from Jersey. No. No. No disrespect. But you know, I'm, I was very clear about where I'm actually from. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Awesome. Thanks. <laughs> All a lot. right then. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Mm -hmm.